What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to episode 7 of The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders and I'm joined once again by football journalist and United season ticket holder Rob Blanchett. Just a reminder to, to subscribe to our show on your preferred podcast provider. We're on Apple, Spotify and Google Podcasts and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore P and at Promised Land MU. Rob, Let's get into it straight away because you were at Old Trafford on Saturday to watch United lose to Villa. Uh, if you listen to last week's show, Rob and I talked about what we would have expected out of United for a game where, you know, they'd just gone out to West Ham in the Cup, in the League Cup. They'd lost to Young Boys. We expected a response from United um, and we did not get one, did we, Rob? What did you make of Saturday? Well, Saturday was very disappointing and football teams do lose football matches. It happens. But I think when you're eight games into the season and you're looking for certain markers to show that the team understand the objectives and are intrinsically linked to the manager's tactics, what we kind of saw was a complete disconnect. So Aston Villa came to Old Trafford. They played okay. They played a low block. They did, they did their job and they got chances to win the game. And obviously they took it at the end. Manchester United had 26 shots on goal during the match. And at the end of the game, it felt like they'd had zero. So that was kind of the feeling in the football stadium about the performance and what we've been seeing. And let's be honest, you know, this is what we've been seeing since the Leeds match. You know, even when United have won games or kind of come away with, you know, slight victories where they've got over the line. We've always had the caveat of saying that the performance wasn't particularly good. So seven performances out of eight have been below standards. If you carry on that standard, you will not be competing for the league title. And if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer can only find that level of performance out of this current squad, where he spent £410 million, then Ole Gunnar Solskjaer will not be at Manchester United much longer. We're going to spend a lot of time in this episode today, I think, reflecting on United as a whole. Uh, we're recording in the middle of a busy week. United play Villarreal in the Champions League and uh, Everton in the Premier League before the international break. But we're just going to, instead of maybe looking ahead to those games, we're just going to look at the state of United and where they are at the moment. Because, like you say, Rob, that was how many games? Eight, eight games so far this season. United have not really played well in well, they played well in one game. Um, maybe uh, 
other fans will look at it in different ways and maybe they'll just look at the goal total and blowing away Newcastle 4-1. But we've, we've discussed this. United weren't at their best in on that day. And I think there are certain matches where individual brilliance can get you out of trouble. And we saw it against, against Newcastle when, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo taps in from a goalkeeping error and Ronaldo pops up with another one after Newcastle had uh, scored an equaliser and then United went from strength to strength from there. But this one was coming, wasn't it? I think, I think this, this Villa performance and results, I think the, the result is the important thing here as well. Um, this one was coming. Uh, it, if you look at the table where it is now, United are one point off the top of the Premier League and maybe... Obviously, I don't think this it's not over by any stretch. United haven't it's not a hammer blow to United's season aspirations. But what is a lot more of a challenge is just the eye test, really. You you look at it and you don't really see patterns of play. The manner of the loss was not it was not good. Villa to me, Villa looked quite in control for most of the game. And they were the ones who were in charge and not United. United had their chances, I think, but they were on the on the counter-attack and Ollie has talked about counter-attack goals and individual moments as the stuff he likes to fall back on, but there's same old issues in there as well. So just, I want to talk about things today, Rob, you can go wherever you want with this, by the way, I'm, I'm kind of uh, talking about a variety of issues, but patterns of play, there's, there's a lack of attacking cohesion players, maybe not knowing what to do with the ball when they, when they have it, Aaron Wan-Bissaka and Scott McTominay, uh, standing out on the right side, just thinking about how do what do I do with this ball? I'm going to pass it back and forth to you and we're not really going to go anywhere backwards. Uh, patterns of play, there's Villa had managed to expose United um, down the wings. I think there was a chance for Matt Target even after about 12 minutes, which was blazed over the bar. But I've seen that goal a lot of times over the last, uh, over the last season or so. And uh, United ended up losing the game with poor defending at set pieces and it could Villa could have even scored earlier in the game from a set piece. So there's so much to take away from this performance uh, and repeating issues that are appearing in the United team that have not been addressed yet. So Rob, where do you want to go? There's, there's a whole menu there, um, but feel free to, to take it in whichever direction you want. Well, this is why it's so alarming, because if you've got one or two or three things wrong, then you can kind of go away, you can be patient, you can go and fix them, and they don't derail your season. Now, I said at the start of the campaign that when United play the likes of Southampton, Wolves, Young Boys, Aston Villa, even if you play poorly, you've got to go and win. This is the standard now. This is what we expect at Manchester United. If you want to find a way of getting past Manchester City and you want to get past a resurgent Liverpool and you want to compete with the kind of the big boys of Chelsea and what they're doing, then you've got to show a resilience in all matches. So like you just said there, you know, it's eight games this season. I'd say seven performances have been below standard, even the Newcastle game where United just got away with it because they had individual talent on the pitch. But when you look at the Villa game and just how it panned out, you wanted to see a reaction from the bench when things weren't working. And I think this is where the worry is starting to come from, is that you need your manager to impact games when the players are not quite doing it. And what did Ole do? You know, nine minutes to go brings on Cavani. That's his version of let's let's go and try and win this game. And for me, that is a kind of populist tactic. You know, I'm just going to bring my big name on off the bench and that's that. 
you know, he's got Jaden Sancho, Scott. He's got Jesse Lingard. These are all players that can do things for you. He's got Donny van der Beek. And we're not seeing anything from that kind of collective to change the outset of Manchester United performances. Yes, the results are okay up to now, but we've now had three defeats in four across the competitions. You're out of one of the competitions, which, you know, I'm not too hot in the League Cup, so we won't worry about that too much. But when you package it together and you look at it and you look at the form, the trend is a bad one. It's going the wrong way. And the thing is for Ole is that now the expectation is higher. Now you've got Ronaldo and you've got Varane and you've got Sancho. There is none of this like there was 12 months ago, two years ago, saying, well, we're building. There's no building happening here. There's no transfer window open. You've got a very good squad. The expectation now is for you to go and win 90% of your games and to win them in the kind of fashion that we see big clubs win games when they don't play well. So he's got time to fix it. That's fine. But the time scale is actually shrinking before our eyes. So, you know, we're kind of going into October, November. Jose Mourinho was sacked in November. Managers get sacked around that time when it shows uh, maybe their tactics have hit a brick wall and they can't move the team on. And I don't really think that the Glazers will have any kind of romantic image of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and what he's done in the past. And they'll kind of give him time because if he gets sacked, it will be because results have failed and that will be on his shoulders. You just mentioned there about the, the going out of the League Cup and I, I did just have a thought. You weren't really... I don't think many United fans are too bothered about actually going out of the League Cup. I don't really think it'll make a big difference if he were to win the League Cup and everyone, not everybody would hold him up as some kind of genius for winning a, a competition like that. It's, it's essentially a stepping stone trophy. Um, clubs don't really take it seriously. Man City have won it because of their squad depth over the last few years. But does that... The fact that they have gone out of the League Cup so early on, does that make, not make it more difficult on Solskjaer? Because he's got a big squad there of players who, let's, let's be real, he's not been too willing to rotate um, over the past couple of seasons. He, there's a certain core of players there that he does trust, um, that he's gone to sometimes to his detriment. And now that's a competition and that's a series of games that United are missing out on where you've got players like, Juan Mata or um, players on the fringes, Eric, Eric Bailly and these, kind, these kinds of players, Alex Tellers, who might get a run if Luke Shaw's injured, um, just, just to say there. But opportunities will be limited for those kinds of players now. And that's going to probably um, work against United in a sense, because if Ollie's not showing that he's going to trust them in the Premier League, when are they going to play? So that's going to maybe cause a little bit of an issue with keeping the squad happy as well, right? Potentially, but I also think at big squads where you have inflated numbers, players are used to having reserved minutes. You know, they know that their opportunities are small and that they've got to kind of show it when they when they get a chance. I don't think Donny van der Beek gets out of bed in the morning and goes, oh, I'm really upset with United are not in the League Cup because now I can't play in it. I don't think players think that. I don't think the League Cup is important in the wider scheme of what we're trying to achieve at Manchester United. So, you know, being knocked out, yes, it means... Uh, you don't have the chance to rotate, but it also means that you've got one less competition to worry about. So there is that. The problem comes from your basics. So your bread and butter is the league, you know, and also your bread and butter is the Champions League. And you need three points for a win in those games. Now, 
so far, so good. United are not too far off the top of the Premier League. But as I said, no one is interested in the Premier League um, standings at this point in the season. Maybe in a month or two, we can look at them. We look at them with different eyes. However, I think when you look at United now, it's about performances. It's about tactics. It's about basics. It's about passing the football. It's about showing that whatever they're doing on the training pitch is being reflected in football matches. And it's not happening, Scott. And I think this is where, you know, you can get away with it. I said this about Jose Mourinho for a long time. Stylistically, you can get away with anything when you're winning. So you could be bad. Your tactics can be poor. If you win one nil every week, you can get away with it because no one can say anything. But as soon as results slide, because you're playing bad football, because your tactics are not good enough, the end comes very, very swiftly. The board does not sit on that very well because the challenge is for the manager to make those things correct, to make them work. And this does feel like that third season that Jose had where he came second the season before and he kind of lauded it and said it was a great performance. And then in year three, it just fell apart in that first 10 games very, very quickly. And you could see that the performances had gone from being a team that were okay to it being a team that were not particularly good. I look at this United team and in seven of these eight performances, Scott, they don't look very good. It doesn't matter if you've got Ronaldo in the team. It doesn't matter if you've got Bruno Fernandes in the team. They literally cannot pass the football from A to B. Harry Maguire was brilliant last season. He's now got Rafael Varane next to him and he looks worse. So I want to know why these things are. Um, of course, there can be TV issues at the start of the season, but we need to see results turn very, very quickly. I just wanted to touch on uh, how far can this go? I mean, maybe I'll, I'll reverse a little bit there. I did just want to say that if, if you're listening and you're thinking that this is if you're a first time listener or something like that, and you're thinking this is an Ollie out one of, you know, that, that hashtag Ollie out um, business, which Rob and I try and distance ourselves from, we're just going to look at this just through a, a fair lens in a sense. There's no um, particular agendas here or, <laughs> or anything like that. At the end of the day, just uh, two United fans who work in football, who just want to see the best for United. And if it is, if Ollie is somehow able to manage that and to bring them uh, back to winning titles and that kind of thing. I think that's the ideal scenario for everyone, but there's also, you also have to be realistic. Uh, I just wanted to look back, Rob, and just <laughs> perhaps discuss what Ollie has actually done in a positive sense before we go and, you know, stick the boot in a little bit. Cause I feel like we're, we're going to have to at some point and we already have in, in a sense. So what, what has Ollie done uh, from a positive sense, just, just overall in his entire reign? I think he's successfully rebooted the culture at Manchester United. So I think, you know, one of the things that we commented in the press at the time, certainly at the end of the Jose era was that United had tried this faux Galactico kind of image of the football club of where Ed Woodward was trying to do things and to get Manchester United back to the top by spending money, flexing muscle and hiring all-star coaches. Now that didn't work. You know, it went through that period of Van Gaal and, and Jose, and we went obviously into Solskjaer. Ole had that great run. Obviously when he took over his interim, he got given the job. Then it didn't go so well at the end of that season. 
But I think we all felt that he deserved time. And I still believe this. You know, I still think that if you can show that there is progress in your football team, you always deserve time. You know, I certainly didn't think Frank Lampard deserved to be sacked at the end of last season or obviously the middle of the campaign. But of course, Chelsea then obviously proved themselves right by winning the Champions League. So I think we've with Solskjaer and where he's been, he's a great man manager. He's a great communicator. And there's, there's no doubt that the kind of feedback that we get from the dressing room in the press is that they really enjoy working for this guy. So I think he's got a lot of the attributes that you need to be a Manchester United manager. I think he's very much more in the Fergie mold than maybe the previous two or three managers that United have had. So that's all positive. But the problem is, is that if your in-game management is decrepit and not working and not forward thinking and also not helping your players that you've got, then you've got an issue. So I think at the moment, United's problems look like they're coaching issues. You can lay that in the lap of Carrick or McKenna or Phelan or anyone, but ultimately it comes down to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. He's the manager of the football club. He makes a decision about who's on that football pitch. So at the moment, I don't think there's a lot he can actually change player-wise. He's got a big squad, but he's probably playing the right players. So why are these right players not fulfilling the kind of tactics that we would expect to see from a world-class contingent? So yeah, we're not Ole out. We certainly are not. I, I would much prefer Ole to get this right. I'd much prefer for him to reboot this season and find performances that we're not seeing. But we cannot escape the expectation of Manchester United Football Club. You know, we want to win the league. We want to win the Champions League. We don't want to win the League Cup. You know, the League Cup's come and gone. It's finished. We're not going to talk about that anymore. We want to win the two big trophies that we're in every season. And, you know, this is not about can we scrape fourth. This is about on the final day of the season, are we in the title conversation? Now, we're only eight games in, so we don't know that. But you don't have to be a football journalist or an expert to see that the football isn't good. And I think this is why this feels so kind of low and maybe a little bit sad because we expect to see more. Losing to Aston Villa is not the problem. It's the way you lose to Aston Villa. And Manchester United were pretty bad at Old Trafford the other day. And it felt like a a little bit of a funeral march out of the stadium afterwards because it was like, well, we've seen all this before. Why is it happening? just want to ask you a question actually um regarding that there's a always been a real disconnect between what the fan who doesn't go to the stadium believes and what the match going fan believes and i think the match going fans have always been very forthright about support the manager support the players and i think that's definitely the right way to go how, how is that how's that feeling at the moment you, you mentioned it was a it was a little bit difficult to take the other day but how would you summer maybe you can't speak for everyone but how do you feel that is that feeling is at the moment in the ground I can't speak for everyone but obviously I I speak to a lot of people at Old Trafford obviously around the football club as well and you know look at it like this when Bruno blazed that penalty over the crossbar we clapped him off the pitch we cheered him off the pitch so you know, the support at Manchester United is not the thing that's broken, you know, and it never will be. And even in Jose's final days, we were still applauding him. You know, people, I think, forget this, that you can have an opinion about football and about a manager's tactics, but you can still support them. You can still be at that stadium and support them. For myself, as a, as a football fan, a United season ticket holder, 
someone that goes to all the games. That's how I feel when I walk into the stadium. I'm there to support my team. But I'm also not an idiot. And what I mean by that is that if I see bad football, then I'm not going to say it's good. So what we're seeing at the moment is a really low standard of professional football from a football club that we expect to do better. And I think that the the general football fan, like you just said there about being in the stadium and and maybe the differences between those two things is that no doubt that the social media Manchester United fan who, who might never unfortunately get the chance to go to Manchester might never get the chance to go to Old Trafford will have different opinions. I'm very similar. I watch the NBA. I'm a Boston Celtics fan and I have opinions about my team, but do I go to Boston for games? No, I don't. So I have a, maybe a kind of outsider's view of the club, even though I know a fair bit about basketball. And I think it's the same for football fans and Manchester United fans. And I don't think Ole has that maybe saving grace from that section of supporters worldwide, because they're about winning. They want to see United win and they want to be entertained. And at the moment, they're not being entertained and the winning is starting to slide away. And it's always results, Scott, that get a manager sacked eventually. You know, it got Pochettino sacked at Tottenham. It got Jose sacked at Tottenham. It gets managers sacked. Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool. You can go back and forth. Jurgen Klopp last year was kind of dancing around the results business because it wasn't working for him. So say this year, they were still losing games like they did last year. Jurgen Klopp's job would be at risk. It's just how it is. It doesn't matter whether you've won stuff before, you're a great coach, a poor coach, a legend, doesn't matter. It's all about results. So how far does it have to go um, this manner of performance obviously needs to be addressed as soon as um, I think even deep down the coaches <laughs> should probably know that there's issues to address. How far does it have to go before things are considered catastrophic? And it's say, say this vein continued for the next X amount of games. How, how far do you feel like it has to go before the club are in a position where a change must be made? Well, these things unravel really quickly so you can have a big long project of two three four years and you can see progress and it might be baby steps but you're happy with the progress because you're on a path and you're getting to where you want to be and I think that's where United have been but when you go out and buy three bona fide stars and they're there to affect your style of play your win ratio your chances of winning trophies and then things start to go south that's when you can hit a brick wall and it can be over quickly. So the issue here now is about the future. And United's next 10 or 11 games are truly horrific. So after the next couple of matches, the fixture list reads like this. Away at Leicester, home to Atalanta, home to Liverpool. Those three games are really difficult. There's every chance you could play well in those three games and lose them, or maybe just lose two and maybe win one or draw one next three Spurs at Atlanta Manchester City a tough treble there next ones after that Watford Villarreal but then being capped off by Chelsea and Arsenal performances could be good in that period Scott but if your performances are good and you're not winning games you're out of those those trophies very quickly and that's in the next 10 matches so Ole's left himself at the mercy of this potential issue because the first eight games have been so poor. You know, you need to start the game, start the season as you mean to go on. 
yes, you're only one point off the top of the title race, but if you're not playing well and you're going into these big matches with the kind of frame of mind that United are, I don't sit here as a United fan and feel good about it. I look at that and I think there are other teams that I'm watching for my job in the Premier League who are playing much better football than Manchester United. Like, and I mean that. It's not a, It's not me trying to be over the top or accentuating it or you know, trying to push Ole out the door or anything like that. Tactically speaking, I would say United are mid-table at the moment or below in terms of their performance values. And it doesn't look like it's getting better. There wasn't even a sniff against Aston Villa that I can talk about today on our podcast and say, ah, but that happened and that was good because there was none of those moments, you know, and there's so many things that are wrong across the pitch in the partnerships, whether it be Bruno and Ronaldo, whether it be the centre-backs, whether it be the full-backs, you know, people talk about McTominay and Fred incessantly, like it's the biggest problem at Manchester United, and it literally is the least problem in this team at the moment. It really isn't the biggest issue. There are so many other problems with players that you expect to be doing well. And do you know what, as well, Scott? I want to see Jadon Sancho play some football. £75 million. Put him on a football pitch, please, Ole. You wanted to win that game against Villa. 20 minutes ago, Jaden should have been on that pitch and he didn't even get a sniff. So that does worry me. It's a bizarre one, isn't it? United spent two years or more um, pursuing Jaden Sancho. He was their, their dream signing. Uh, and I, I know it's, you might be listening here and thinking United have won four, four league games out of six, drawn one, lost one so far. This is an overreaction. I don't think it is. I think you look at you. You just have to look at what what you're seeing in front of you. And we've we've said it a lot of times. United have enough quality there to win a moment or win a game on on one moment. Mason Greenwood did it at Wolves, for example. This has happened in other games as well. But yeah, there's a there's a number of things to dig into here. And I think. Um, uh, the Dortmund director uh, over the weekend, speaking of Jaden Sancho, said, when you see him playing, you get tears in your eyes. It hurts my soul that he's given so little consideration. I think in response to Sancho being on the bench, I think he said that after, if, I, if I'm right, I think it might have been after the Villa game because um, Dortmund played later. But it's, it's, a, it's a bizarre move to kind of relegate Sancho to the bench. I know that United have got a lot of options in there, but with somebody as talented as Sancho is and somebody who has the goal and assist records that he does have and his ability to create, and yes, it's perhaps not gone all to plan so far for Sancho, but he's still finding his feet. And to not turn to him when you are looking for that little bit of creativity in a game that is could quite easily go against you, and it did what it did against Villa, to leave him on the bench, it was a bit of a concern. Um, how do you... Do you feel he's, he should be put straight in the team straight away for the next few games, Sancho? No, not necessarily. That's certainly not what I was alluding to. What I, I what I kind of meant by it was that we saw the trend with what happened with Donny van der Beek last year. So Donny van der Beek comes to the football club, a little bit of a big reputation. You know, he'd done well at Ajax, done well in Europe, um, a kind of burgeoning talent in, in central midfield who can do two or three different things. Now, I don't think that Donny van der Beek helped himself last year, but you could see what Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thought of him. Now, one thing we do know about Ole is that he operates more on trust than tactics. So that's the first point. You know, he's not looking at things purely tactical. He's thinking about who do I trust in my squad? And I think this is how he selects his starting 11s. 
So I think it's safe to say that at the moment, he doesn't trust Jaden Sancho from what he's seen in training, that he doesn't probably think that Jaden can execute at the moment for whatever reason. It could be confidence. It could well be uh, a few uh, mild injury issues that he has had. Um, but you've just bought, bought the guy for £75 million and he's rated as one of the best elite youngsters of his calibre on the planet. So you, as the manager, has to have to find a way to make it work. And we're not seeing that. What we're seeing is rotation, but more like rotation as in, I don't know what's happening here. So this isn't like kind of structured Pep Guardiola rotation where you know that players will sit out games and uh, the system remains the same. The execution remains the same. The performance value remains the same. What we're seeing here is Ole kind of chopping and changing, but not really quite knowing what to do. So that is worrying because I want my manager to show overt control over these things. And I think when it comes to Jaden Sancho, you know, he needs to play games sooner rather than later to bed into the Premier League because it is a tough league to come and step into. You've got to remember that the guy is young still and uh, there are big expectations on his shoulders. So he might struggle, but he can't sit on the bench for weeks and months like, say, Jesse Lingard can because it's a different set of circumstances. This is one of our big signings, one of our biggest signings of all time. So if that's the case, yeah, break him in slowly, but you can't have really, really poor performances and then say, right, I'm not going to give the guy a go. So Marcus Rashford will be back soon. You know, he started physical training this week, contact training. So he will almost definitely set back into the team. Why is that? Because Ole trusts him. So that will be one place out of that front three behind the striker that will be gone. So that's even less opportunity for Sancho to play. Now, of course, the utopia will be maybe, I think, Rashford, Bruno, Sancho behind Ronaldo. That's kind of, I think, what everyone thinks will happen. I think that's probably what Ole thinks will happen. But if that's not working for you, what do you do next, Scott? So this is what this is the question. So it's trying to find now methods in the madness because we're not seeing the tactical acumen in the team. And that must come from the manager. It must. It can only come from one guy. doesn't matter who his coaches are or what his philosophy is. A team is always a reflection of its manager. In the same way I mentioned Chelsea there before, and I have a few times this last couple of weeks, you know, Chelsea were a reflection of Frank Lampard before he was sacked. And when they win the Champions League, they were a reflection of Tuchel. That is how it works. That is football in a nutshell. And at the moment, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, unfortunately, is feeding the narrative around the Ole outs on Twitter. He's feeding it by not showing that he's got the skills to kind of pay the bills. So we need to see more from this manager. And I, I support him. I really, really want him to do well. But at the same time, it's a business. And if you underperform in business, you don't last very long in your job. Talking of uh, feeding narratives, I did want to touch on uh, what Ollie has been saying in the press over the last week or so. So pre-Aston Villa, uh, he fired a barb at Jurgen Klopp. I think it was Jurgen Klopp. Anyway, it has to be Jurgen Klopp uh, around uh, United not getting penalty decisions because there's been a number of uh, decisions over the last few weeks that hasn't gone United's way in United's eyes. Uh, and then after the match, he also discussed how the goal that Aston Villa did score should have been offside and should have been disallowed because of consistency. Leicester had seen two goals the week before uh, disallowed for a similar situation, but this one was given. And he also uh, pointed out that Villa's players crowned in round Bruno and Cristiano Ronaldo 
and Emmy Martinez, who was kind of getting in both of their faces, that was not acceptable. So what, what do you make of this? Do you, I, I kind of look at it and I think it's a, it's a deflection tactic to get people talking about the incidents rather than what we've been discussing here. And that's the actual flaws in the United team. So do you feel, how do you feel Ollie should go about his business here? Do you, would you prefer if he just stayed quiet? I'd prefer it if he just stood in front of a camera or in his presser and just said, we're not good enough at the moment. Because that's the truth, you know, the simple truth. Stick to that. And I think Ole's been really good at that in a kind of three-year span that he's been at the football club, taken over from Mourinho. One of the refreshing things about Ole when he came in, certainly for us in the press, was that even though he might say less than Jose, you know, Jose's box office, Jose's going to say something that gets hits and clicks and blows it up and, you know, everyone's going to be interested in that. With Ole, he was just he just simplified things. You know, he was just a guy who was there talking about the football team and what he wanted to do in terms of building. And when we hear, again, we talk about people at the football club, they all say that behind the scenes, Ole's got a very strong personality that he, he communicates well with his players and he tells them what he wants and the expectations are high from him. You know, he comes from a culture of winning at Manchester United, but there you said, you mentioned that obviously with the, the Jurgen Klopp reference that he was clearly about, about Klopp. We all know this, and obviously what he said in reaction to the game, it does show a little bit of fracturing maybe in his personality of how he normally presents himself to the press and to supporters. And yes, that is a little bit worrying because I think when that consistency starts to slide away, that he, he opens himself up for more criticism. But do you know what's got the best way of just putting all of that to bed is playing good football and winning football matches. And United have been winning football matches up until the last one. But now, as we said, three defeats in four is not good. And once you start losing, you've got to stop the rot immediately. And and it feels like a, you know, rather than hiccups, it feels like United are sat on this big slide and they're somewhere kind of at the top. And you feel that three defeats could very easily turn into six because United's performances are so poor at the moment that there isn't really a lot of hope. The good thing for Ole is he's got this bloke called Ronaldo in his team. And Ronaldo doesn't need much opportunity to score goals. And Bruno missing that penalty, you know, it might be the kick up the backside that he needs because I don't think his performances have been good enough. And then you've got, as you said, Jaden Sancho. And Sancho might spark into life when his mate Marcus is back in the team. So there are all of these positives that can be spun to get you back to where you need to be. But the cold light of day says that you need to win and you need to win well. And you need to prove that you're on a par with Man City and Liverpool. You cannot be the kind of bridesmaid here. You need to make sure you're the bride. You're standing right at the top of the, uh, the aisle there. And I think that United can do it, but Ole has to prove it. Talking about getting results, um, perhaps it doesn't really help Ole in the sense of there being two managers without jobs at the moment who have been not, not really linked with any real force or any, any, anything concrete in a sense, but there's Zinedine Zidane who uh, you mentioned Ronaldo. There's Zidane has worked with Ronaldo and Rafa Varane over the years and won multiple champions leagues with champions league titles with them. Plus La Liga titles. And it's just accepted as, while maybe not being the greatest tactical mind in the world, I think that there's there's fans who, or there's 
people in the game who just feel that maybe Pep and Klopp are a level above. But what Zidane has done is he has shown that he can get all of the fancy parts in his team working together and running in a direction moving forward and actually taking them to titles and delivering on the expectation that is there. And like clubs don't really come any bigger than Real Madrid and that expectation. I've seen managers sacked for not winning the Champions League when they've won the league and, and this kind of stuff at Real Madrid. And there's Antonio Conte as well, who uh, he's always the example that people seem to point to. Uh, I remember he went in at Chelsea a few years ago and well, he had a bit of a rough start, but changed his system, flipped to a back three and went on an insane winning run with Chelsea and won a Premier League title. And since uh, he's obviously fallen out with uh, Roman Abramovich and <laughs> there's been legal legal issues and that kind of thing. And he's gone to Inter, done the same thing, won the league, but he's, he's ended up leaving again because of disagreements and you know financial difficulties and this kind of stuff. But there's two managers there who have experience of winning titles at the highest level, especially in like in in leagues and in Champions Leagues as well. So that really doesn't help, Ollie, does it? But do you feel like well, we spoke about Zidane last week? But let's, let's maybe look at Conte in a sense. Where, where do you stand on um, Antonio Conte being a, a? Is he a good fit if United were to pull the trigger, for example? Do you feel like Antonio Conte is the right? person to come in and maybe take this team forward I'm not I, I don't want to say that Ollie sh- that this should happen because obviously we want to give Ollie a chance but since the speculation is there we'll address it yeah and you know these things are all hypothetical but again in working in this business we have to talk about these things because they are they are definitely definitely possible outcomes uh, I've got a lot of respect for Antonio Conte, as I have for Zinedine Zidane. Um, both great players in their times who transitioned to become uh, winning managers. It doesn't really matter what you think about their style of football. You know, they've proved that they can assemble squads and they, they can motivate players and they can win titles. Um, I think when you look at, you know, you said, there is, um, is Conte a good fit? All football clubs care about when they talk about fit is winning. So is this manager a good fit to help us win? Now, I think one thing that goes against Ole at the moment is obviously the results. We know this and the performances. We've talked about that. But you've also got to look at it from a different angle. And that is that United have kind of committed to a two to three year project with Cristiano Ronaldo as a striker. So you could see that next year that maybe United will move for Haaland. That's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, they might kind of look towards the long-term future and Ronaldo be part of that transition. But they've not brought Ronaldo to the football club just to sell shirts. So people think this, that United that looked at Ronaldo and it's just commercial signing and there is that element to it. But United have effectively said, here's Cristiano Ronaldo for two years, go and win us the title. And that's, I think, where United stand. So I think as soon as that feels like that's under pressure that's when they'll be knocking at the door of people like Conte and Zidane. Two managers that can take big players and can take them to another level. And I think this is going to be where Ole kind of lives and dies by the sword. Because when he came to the football club, he was a good fit, in inverted commas. And what I mean by that is, of course, United were trying this cultural reboot. You know, they wanted to show that they were going back to United principles, United philosophies, to play attacking football, to play good football and win and, and play winning football. Well, United are not playing good football at the moment. United are not playing winning football. So that is a problem. So that cultural reboot can very, very quickly be turned off. 
So I think that's kind of where the Glazers will stand on it. In the same way that they took Tom Brady to the NFL franchise, you know, an NFL franchise that had failed for 10 years, they get the best quarterback of all time. They put him in the team. What happens? They win the Super Bowl. Really, that's what they've done with Ronaldo. They want to win the Super Bowl of football. That's how they view it. And if Ole doesn't doesn't show that, doesn't show that he's capable of doing that, then absolutely, I think Conte and Zidane would then suddenly be very good fits for what Manchester United are trying to do. Yeah, I think to touch on reboots and this kind of stuff, I I do feel that, and we will just reiterate again, that Ole has come in and there are certain aspects of the job that he's ticked and he's done brilliantly in terms of uh, regenerating the squad from where it was. It was a, a fractured club a few years ago after Mourinho had left and Ollie's come in. He's overseen a squad overhaul, which really, it really does put United now on maybe not level par, but just, just around the likes of City and Chelsea in terms of squad depth there aren't too many squads out there that are better even in Europe at the moment. But Scott, say. Scott, Scott, what I will say just to jump in, sorry there, mate, is Go that ahead. I said it since the Aston Villa game and I've said it consistently all season long, really, is that we are not here to apologise for anyone. We're not here to apologise for what Ole did in the previous two years that he did well. So he did that well. So this is X, Y, and Z and where we are today. It was the same with Jose. Year one was good. Year two was successful in terms of getting up the league and in the Champions League and becoming second. And year three, was a complete disaster. So unfortunately, Ole is showing similar signs to that. So year one, he did reboot things. Year two, he's found a different way. Last year, obviously, they got second in the Premier League. That has a kind of kudos to it without winning a trophy or without it being silverware. We're in a new campaign now. He has to show new levels of acumen. And we're not here to apologize for him. You know, and I've said this all week because people say to me, oh, you know, you're very hard on Ole. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm hard on the football. I'm hard on what I'm seeing. I'm hard on the expectations. I'm hard on the standards. And this is not about thinking about what Fergie did. I think those days are come and gone. We don't need to think about past glory. We need to think about future success. I watch City and I look at them and I think they're a really good team. I watch Liverpool. I watched Liverpool draw 3-3 at Brentford. And I thought they played brilliantly. You know, they, play, they played against Brentford. Brentford were obviously the story of that match coming back and scoring their goals. But I thought Liverpool played some absolutely outstanding football. And I look at that and I think, well, I'm not worried about that team. If I'm a Liverpool fan, I'm thinking, no, my boys are doing it. You know, they're popping it around. They might not be getting the great results at the moment, but I feel good about it. I watched Manchester United and I don't think that they're as good as Brighton and Hove Albion at the moment. I think Brighton are a better team on the football pitch the Man United are. Now that worries me. It concerns me. So I don't think we should apologize for Ole or give him extra leeway for any reason, except that, you know, people say he's a legend or he deserves time. Yes, he deserves time, but he needs results. He needs performances. And if he does not show that, then unfortunately it will be a big hug, a very thank you, Ole, for what you did. And we will move on because that is the nature of this industry. I do think that you should give managers chance to succeed but i don't think you should give them excessive time to fail i think you said it better than i could have there so thanks for thanks for thanks for jumping in that's a good place to leave it i think rob uh we just a reminder we are recording this ahead of the villarreal game and there's an everton fixture in the premier league before the international break on saturday um we will be back probably after that 
that Everton game to discuss that it'll be an international break. So maybe we'll do another one of these deep dives and maybe look back at those games as well, just to see if anything has improved. Um, but yeah, we just hope that you can come to us and continue to listen because we'll just tell it like it is. I know Rob does a good, really good job of that. So um, appreciate you being here again, Rob. Uh, we will see you guys soon. Uh, remember to uh, subscribe to the podcast with the promised land Manchester, a Manchester United podcast. We're on Apple, Spotify, and Google and follow us on Twitter too. You can find us at underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B and at promised land MU. If you've listened to anything today that you disagree with or that you agree with um, or anything like that, any comments you have, leave a review um, and get in touch with us on social as well. We'd be more than happy to kind of interact with you and, uh, and go a little deeper. If, if there's any questions that you do have, uh, we realize that it's a, it's a difficult time for United at the moment. So let us know how you feel. Um, we're more than open to it and we will speak to you again soon on our next episode. So thanks again, Rob. See you soon, mate. Many thanks. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.